Okay, guys, first of all, it's really good to see everyone. I'm so happy that everyone's healthy and together. It's really it's a hard two weeks for everyone, obviously for you guys more than for us, but sitting in a quiet, dark base matter, she really missed you all, so it's good to see you. Um, we're here to grow. And you know that we take your growth really, really seriously and really nuanced. It's not black and white and do this, don't do that. This is fantastic. This is demonic. This is it's a question of being honest, making it real, understanding the world you live in, but trying to pull it all together to be an Ovid Hashem, Rather than leaving nooks and crannies on the side and saying, well, I know Hashem, but, you know, when I'm on that side of town, when I'm involved in that topic, not so much. It's not trying to be holistic. Complete Oved Hashem, Anav, the Kajibruchu, Amolin, whatever type of lifestyle you have at whatever level and age you're at. So it's really a, a time to be real about it and to think about, not the Super Bowl, I'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, but it's a really great opportunity to think about sports, how you watch sports. The assumption is, that no one in this room who likes watching sports is going to stop watching sports. And the second part of that assumption is, is that not, it's not our interest to make you stop watching sports. So the agenda here is not whether you do or don't watch sports. It's a question of the emotional engagement, how you watch, when you watch, how much of your emotions you bring to sports, how much of your emotions you bring to HaKadosh Baruch and to Torah. It's a question of being able to, to transform the experience so that similarly you'll watch sports after you leave Yeshiva, Maybe a little bit less, but more importantly, not just how many hours you're involved in sports, but like, what do you care about? How do you see yourself? Who are your heroes? Who do you identify with? So this is not about the Super Bowl. It's really a yearly opportunity to think about sports, point out some of the challenges, and then think about how those challenges are going to be distilled Sunday night, because Sunday night's a one-time event. So to be honest, I'm more interested in how you shape your entire life, not what you do Sunday night, but Sunday night's a great opportunity to start shaping the rest of your life vis-a-vis your sports habits. So that's what we're here today. It's not like we're not going to rail against sports. We're not going to... Okay. Um, let me tell you two stories. Okay. I came back from Yeshiva. Mets were the Mets. Actually, it was the 80s. They were pretty good in the 80s. Pretty good at sports. Pretty good at some other things. You know, <laughs> not going to talk about. You know. <laughs> there were the Mets. Hamaven, Yavin. You know, let's just say it, it snowed a lot in Shea Stadium, even in the summer. So. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a hop in time in Shea Stadium. So I went to my first Mets game back from being in Yeshiva. Good old Rusty Stop, who was the right fielder for the Mets. Good old Rusty Stop gets out there and whacks one over the right field fence. Everyone around me starts bursting out and cheering and screaming and loud. I really didn't know what to make of myself. I was at the game. I was enjoying it. But there was no part of me that could get up and scream and shout. I didn't have that level of identification anymore for a man in pajamas who hit a ball over a wall. It had disappeared. My identification shifted. My heroes went out, Ravaran, the Rav, the Ritva. The, these are the people I was deeply invested in. They were my world. Just because they were my world doesn't mean I don't want to entertain myself by watching people perform feats. All of a sudden I realized, hey, this is where I want to be. I want to be a guy who goes to a game, watches the game, but has that emotional distance. Come on, you guys who really, really like your teams. What happens when your team loses Sunday? Monday you're walking around with a pit in your stomach, you're depressed. When your team loses the playoffs, right? You won't know about the classic, yeah. right? right. <laughs> Had to get that in because he's talking. Right. Right. Here's here seriously, here's your chance to take that away. Don't you like want to not have that? Don't you realize at some level that's not right, that you shouldn't care about what these people so much that when they lose a game that it really depresses you and brings you down. So you want to watch a game. You can be excited when your team wins. There's a lot of drama. And again, I don't want this to be simplistic. I don't want this to be black and white. Tova Lichtenstein. Okay, this is pretty authoritative. Told me directly 
at Ravaran Shiva. Okay, so this is not secondhand. She looked me in the eyes and she told me, Moshe, she says, whatever you do, make sure they don't whitewash my husband's legacy. When they come out with the books, make sure you tell them and you remind them how much he loves sports, like how much he's so in sports. So, okay, okay. Like, like what, what did Ravaran see in sports? He saw a lot of great values. It's not just the athletic feats to entertain. You all know you watch sports, you see teamwork. You see dedication, sacrifice, and hard work. We're trying to build these traits in you. You see management of time. Ravara, when, when he saw us wasting time, we give these long muscle for the whole base matters. And he talked about how games are won and lost in matters of seconds. And that if you waste your second, you could be wasting an entire championship. And he would literally talk about Super Bowls. He would quote Super Bowls. And he'd take five minutes to explain to the Israelis what American football was and the rules, <laughs> just so they could understand his message. There's a famous story that Ravara was once playing basketball and a guy was cherry picking. Those of you who aren't basketball players, you don't come back on defense, just hang around the rim and they toss it to you. Like, Topley, you're shaking, you're nodding too quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, I know pretty well. <laughs> cherry picking. So like Ravaran ran back and when he caught back up with the team, this guy finally got back on defense. Ravaran said to him, you're playing immorally. <laughs> what does that even mean? You're playing immorally. But yes, teamwork and selflessness, and you don't have to get the ball all the time. So I know it. There's, there's also human drama. Seriously, people who recover from injuries, people who work their way back. So there, there's a lot to be gained from. I'm not this, I mean, I think there's more to be gained. Let, let's face it, you gain more from a page out of Shakespeare than 50 games because Shakespeare is deep and it's theoretical and it's abstract, but whatever. It's harder to read Shakespeare and it's more fun to watch them. So I'm not, I'm not saying you should look at sports as the conduit for all these values, but you can glean these values from sports while you're entertaining yourself. So I just didn't have it within me. Another fascinating story. I didn't see the story, but I heard the story. Legendary coach, Phil Jackson, is in the airport. Business class. And everyone is buzzing around him. This is before selfies, autograph, can I talk to you? And there are like these two men in suits. Really, really intrigued by what's going on. And they're looking at like, why are they making such a big deal out of this guy? Like, what's so special about this guy? So Phil Jackson walks over to these two people and introduces himself. He says, hi, my name is Phil. And one says, hi, my name is Herschel Schachter. My name is Mayor Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, can I sit next to you on the flight? Because I want to meet real people. They look at me as a real person. I could care less about the hoopla and the celebrity status, just like real people. So that's what we're here for. How do you become that person? <laughs> Enjoy sports, watch it, but just... Well, you can know who it is. That's a little bit a little hardcore. But just seriously, ask yourself the following test question. Seriously. If a Schechter and under LeBron would walk in the room together, whose entry would make your heart race faster? And I know what the answer is right now, if you're honest with yourself. <laughs> but if I could give you a pill and you could invert it, would you take the pill? I hope that everyone in this room would say, yes, I would like to be the person that gets more excited about Rav Asher Weiss or Rav Schechter. Or maybe, then I'd like to be that person. Maybe I'm not, because you have to be honest with God. You can't fake yourself. You can't play charade. Like, can I be that person? See, Hashem's agreeing with me. Hashem wants a Super Bowl, see Okay, Thunderbolts and lightning. Okay. So how do you do that? How, how do you do it, guys? How do you do it? Seriously. Okay. Um, this is your year to try to get a healthy disposition with sports. See, I, I think in some areas, and I've spoken to high school teachers about this and camp teachers, it's like there's almost like this unwritten agreement. 
there's a lot of obsessions out there. People are addicted to fill in all the blanks. You've heard about them in high school. I don't have to iterate them for you. So let's just the sports addiction, the sports obsession, that's cleaner, that's healthier. Instead of them being addicted to pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever. So now I'm happy. The answer to that question is no. Any obsession or addiction isn't healthy developmentally. And I've been saying this even if I want your Rebbe. And obviously it's not healthy because you want to marshal as much of your essence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, while you're still involved in whatever you're involved in this world because you deem it to be healthy and entertaining. I watch the highlights. So that whole answer, oh, let's be happy that it's sports addiction, that's a cop-out. I don't think anyone in this room is at the stage where they want to take cop-outs with who they're trying to become. It's a real cop-out. You don't want to be obsessed to anything, with anything. You don't want to be addicted to anything other than your life as an Ovid Hashem. So here's a good opportunity to think about that. Watch sports, but don't get involved in the frenzy. Last time I checked a football game, is four quarters, 15 minutes each. Super Bowl takes one and a half days long, even if you don't count press week. Which means there's a media frenzy around it, the pregame, the postgame, the interviews, the celebrities, the news people, the correspondents, the, it's like a feeding frenzy. And you're convinced you have to watch it because this is an event. And because this is an event, you got to be there. A couple, about 20 years ago, NBC had a great, great marketing tool. I really appreciate good marketing. I mean, I disagree with it, but I appreciate it when I see it. And they called it must-watch TV, must-see TV. It was like Thursday night. And this is when TV was before it came. Must-see, oh, it's must-see TV. It's the, same, it's the same ethic of a viral video. When you hear about a viral video that got 20 million looks, you feel almost, I've got to watch that because if everyone's watching it, there must be something. The irony is that the Internet, which is supposed to be a democratizing influence, is the most undemocratic tool available in many ways because it creates group, group think. If everyone's looking at that page and everyone's following those trends and everyone's part of those statistics and YouTube has 30 million votes, then it must be a good music or, or a good film or whatever. Rather than saying, I want to look at it and judge it for myself. So how are you watching? You're watching the game or you're invested in the storylines and the people and everything around it rather than just the game. Now, again, part of being invested in the games, you want to know a little bit about the players. They're not just uh, robots out there. But where do you draw the line? Are you watching because you feel you have to watch? Okay, fast forward. In about three weeks. I guess it's going to happen this year. I don't know whether Corona is going to cancel it. There's a little bit of a crisis in CBS headquarters. What's the crisis? Football has ended. Baseball hasn't yet begun. Be honest. Who, who's going to watch NASCAR and golf? Like, it's a little boring. <laughs> so they got to find some way to grab your attention, boost ratings, and hawk the materials. So a little guy goes into a corner, flips the switch, and all of a sudden March Madness begins. And the whole world is convinced that they have to follow teams they barely heard of, nor can they tell you where they are on the map. <laughs> the entire world becomes a Gonzaga fan. <laughs> can anyone tell me where Gonzaga University is? Seattle. Okay, pretty good, Joe. I always get confused with Gonzaga Prep, which is in D.C. So I always have to double check and make sure Okay, Joey, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with you knowing that. It's pretty creepy, but... <laughs> I'm not sure I'm that comfortable. <laughs> Too much information, <laughs> But seriously, if, if, if someone told me they were, they were following all these college teams the whole year long, and they were, invo- so they were involved in their, guys, they were involved in their relationships and in the injuries and in the culture, okay, I can understand. You follow the Yankees, you follow the team, now they're in the championship, you want to see how they perform. But all of a sudden, you are these raving, mad fans of players and teams you simply never knew about. 
just because Madison Avenue is controlling your mind. And that's the place I don't want you to be in. I don't want you to have your mind controlled. I want you to be controlling your watching habits, controlling. Now, we all know why most people watch the Super Bowl. Not about the game, not even about the pregame and defeating frenzy, but the commercials. Now, again, I think the commercials are really, really creative. And I look at the top ten every year and actually sit and watch them with my kids. Like every year, I call it, let's look at this creative commercial, see what they're trying to do, see what they're trying to accomplish. But do you watch the commercials or do you let yourself? Why should a bar of soap cost five times more because there's a pretty woman using it who then, after she washes her body with soap, goes into a Volvo, picks her kids up from soccer camp, takes them to a restaurant because they're convincing you that if you use the soap, you'll have that life. I promise you, if you buy ivory soap, you won't have that life. You want that life, you have to build it. You have to earn it. You have to grow it. So all of a sudden, in marketing, it's controlling your mind, saying, you're going to be controlled by our messages. And that's not something that's healthy as an individual. It's certainly not something that's healthy as a Ben Tara, whose mind shouldn't be controlled by any other influences other than mine. I mean, other than Tara and your Freudian sleep. <laughs> other than Tara, and other than your Shemayim. Joey liked that. If Joey likes my jokes, that's already. <laughs> right, okay. Okay. So let me tell you as follows. This is the Super Bowl. This is your year. Now, I really, I, I really thought about this carefully. I don't want to just parrot what I said two years ago and three years ago because it's a different year. And I'm always ping-ponging on this question. On the one hand, we want to try to make you driven and sacrifice for and commit to and work hard and try to be as immersed in Torah as possible. On the other hand, just to mouth that, it's just not your reality. I mean, you're, you're two weeks in quarantine, and, and you're struggling to be on campus for a set. I mean, I always feel like I'm ping-ponging between Midas Adin and Midas Arachim. Midas Adin is, I really want to push you, seriously, for yourselves as hard as I can. Midas Arachim is, we're all human beings. We're all suffering through this crisis. But I do want you to take this opportunity. Someone once liked the following quote. Like, evidently, when I said it, they, they, they told me they really held from it. But let me tell you a story as a preface to this quote. Okay, two stories. Rav Luchnesin, Rav Aaron Luchnesin, at Rav Moshe Luchnesin's wedding was an Avel. He just lost one of his parents. Now, Rav Luchnesin was the biggest machmer I ever met in Psach Halacha. And if there, if there were a field in which he was super machmer, it was Avelis. Like, Rav Aaron was known. He didn't like, go for any of these games and tricks. You serve food at the wedding, you come and you park a car. He was extremely machmer out of Kavad Ames. Kavad Ames is you're an Avelis, and you keep your Avelis as strictly as you can. But this was the son's wedding, so he's trying to find a way to be at the chuppah or something. So Ravaran went to Shlomo Zalman looking for a kula. Sounds like a joke, right? Ravaran walks in one day looking for a kula from Shlomo Zalman. And evidently, he didn't get a kula he was satisfied with. So Ravaran didn't go to Ramosha's wedding. I was at the wedding. Ravaran said after the wedding that he remembers the love he felt for his son that day, not having expressed it, more than he would ever have remembered it had he expressed it, having restrained it. Just because you restrain an emotion doesn't mean you don't feel it. It just means you don't express it because there are other emotions that are more powerful. So one thing I can promise you, another thing you should all do this. If you skip the Super Bowl this year, I promise you, you'll remember this Super Bowl much more deeply and acutely than any Super Bowl you'll ever watch because they just tend to fold into each other. I promise you, I've been around for about 40 of them, I can remember, and I can't remember the... You know the one I remember the most? Let me tell you the one I remember the most. It was, I mean, I remember the year. I think it was 81, 82. The Bengals were playing the 49ers. And the 49ers were down late. A famous rally, Joe Montana rally. 
And I pulled my brother out. I said, let's go to Mara. It was nine o'clock. And people who are watching us looked at watching with us looked at us like we were crazy. Marv, the Bengals are the 49ers are rallying. I said, but Marv. Marv. And I remember that Super Bowl because I missed it because and that cemented my Marv attendance because I know no matter how tired I am, no matter how much I have a headache, no matter how late it is, I'll try as best as I can to catch the less Marv in town. So I promise you that's a healthy choice this year. If you decide that choice, that's a healthy choice, and it's not a choice that you're walking away from Super Bowls. It's a choice that's saying, I want to watch the next X Super Bowls of my life, as long as I'm interested in sports. But I want to watch it in a healthy way. And to create that corrective, this year I'm going to skip it. I don't know that most of you are ready for that or even interested in that. And, and here's my dilemma. I'm try, again, I'm trying to be as authentic as I can. Um, the dilemma is on the one hand, I realize... It's hard. I mean, you've been there for two and a half months. I know that it's difficult. I know that we're all going through certain challenges. So, like, why not? Just take a little time and watch the game and just enjoy and relax and unwind. On the other hand, there are two things that are plaguing me. And I don't know how to resolve this. I just want to put them in your plate. First and foremost, people are really suffering. There's a lot of death out there. And it's at our doorstep. And you know it better than just as much as I do. People in our community, people in our yeshiva, and it's not just death, it's a lot of suffering. People are dying by themselves. Older people who live really, really full lives, they're dying in parking lots, in lined up beds without their family. So what does that mean for you? Would you feel comfortable? I'm leaving this as an open question because there may be a yes answer to that. I'm just trying to pose questions to you. Would you feel comfortable staying up all night and hooting and hollering for men and hitting one another and celebrating sports? Or is there a way to just be a little more subdued this year? And say, so I'll watch the highlights, I'll watch the replay, I'll, you know, okay, I'll do my part. I'm not, I'm not asked to be a doctor. My, my daughter tells me she's a doctor in a corona ward. I mean, she's devastating. She cries to me at night, you know what she sees. So your job right now is not to be a doctor in a corona ward. Your job right now is not to walk around. But like, where do you fit amidst all this sadness? Because that's a life skill I want to give to you. When there's sadness in the world and people around you are suffering, you don't just go off into your corner and have fun. I speak a lot in Chutzlar, which I haven't done over a year. I tell people, how do you live Israel even if you don't live in Israel? I want to give them real, solid opportunities. And it's not about donating money and donating an ambulance. Say, if there's a difficult day in Israel, a terror incident, a hard time or something, and you were meant to go to a baseball game that day or a football game or a big event, and there's blood running through our country and heroes who are building your future are being put into freshly cut graves, you know what you should do with your tickets? Rip them up or give them to a Gentile friend. The notion that we're standing by fresh graves in Israel, burying people who are serving your future, serving the army and dying on Kiddush Hashem, and you're sitting there in a stadium with 50,000 people hooting and hollering to me is religiously offensive. It's religiously offensive. I remember about 11, 12 years ago, we, we, we aren't and we weren't wealthy. We bought tickets for our kids over the summer. We were one major summer family outing. We bought tickets to the amusement park. We had bought them in advance. That day we woke up and they were disengaging from Asa. No one was dying. No terror. This is a government-initiated move. But people's lives were being crushed. They were traumatized. My wife and I sat at the kitchen table. We really, really deliberated. I said, for you and I, for just you and I, of course we'd rip the tickets up. These are our three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old kids. They don't really know what's happening. These are one shot. Begrudgingly, with heavy, heavy hearts, with tears in our eyes, we went to the amusement park for our kids. But it had been ourselves, and there were other times it was for ourselves. We'll pass. We won't go to the... 
That's a life skill. So it's not that it's not that acute right now. It's not like something's happening Sunday night. It's a year-long process, and you can't grieve and mourn for a year. But I, I just want you to be mature enough to say, okay, life's about living in a community, having awareness, social cues, what's happening around me, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. So I don't really know what to tell you. To me, the more important gain is the first part of this whole conversation. <laughs> to be that person, take that pill, is more excited when Roshachter walks in than LeBron. That, that to me is a larger goal, to watch sports healthy, not to give too much of your core, not to feel saddened and pain and that gut in your stomach when your team loses, but to watch and to enjoy it and hopefully have a lifetime of enjoying sports, but not to be obsessed with it. There's a chance to think about that a little. I promise you, if you don't watch it, watch the highlights or something, I promise you there'll be the Super Bowl that you'll remember most in your lives because you forwent it, even though you're going to watch many, many, many other Super Bowls. Okay, so I don't know what to tell you, uh, of course, of course, it's not a place we're gonna. I'm not even I'm happy to discuss it with you, but I, I just want this decision to be the decision of a bentar, rather than I'm deciding as a bentar when I dive in. Then okay, then taking two hours off, and Hashem taking two hours off. No, as a bentar, I'm gonna watch the game. As a bentar, I'm not gonna watch the game, and that should influence the mitzvah Hashem one day the types of parties you go to. I'm sure there are parties that are more in tune with how a bentara behaves in terms of the food, the people over there, the behavior that's being expressed, the language that's being used. Doesn't mean that at a party of a sure clearly you're watching the game. <laughs> don't don't invite any rabbis to the game, trust me. <laughs> I remember I was a young rabbi in, in Manhattan in the early nineties and I, I just couldn't find a way to get the young Balabatan to come learn. They just had very, very busy careers and I couldn't get them to come learn. So I decided I'm gonna throw a Super Bowl party. This was nineteen ninety two or something, before Super Bowl parties were the raid. So I threw a cereal party in the shul, not, not in the basic Knesset, but in the side room. And they came, and there was food, and then the halftime show came on. I took the clicker, I took the remote, and I shut it off. Rabbi, Rabbi, what's going on? You know, halftime show. So we're going to have a shear now. So what type of shear am I going to give to my Balabatim, who have just shown up for the game? No, so it was, uh, it was a shear who they should root for. It was the Bills playing the Redskins. That was a Super Bowl. So you talked about whether the Redskins were over there at Zara. And whether it's Ovdeh Vodazara, there's an Isser to root for them because of Lot Techanem, you shouldn't look kindly on Ovdeh Vodazara. I asked the trick question, what would happen if one of the Bills players had an injury and started bleeding? What should they do with the blood? So I wanted to see if they knew the Lach of Kisei Adam. And one of the Buffalo Bills started bleeding. And then he said, do you know that what happened if the dog starts bleeding? Okay, so he talked about the machine, a Chai and a Behema. There's only Kisei Adam by Echaya. But then I asked the trick question. Why would there not be a din of Kisei Adam if one of the Bills players started bleeding? So they didn't know. I said, because it was played on artificial turf. And there's only a din of Kisei Adam on the Adama, not on a clay. So you should know that. If you ever see a din of Kisei Adam, there's no din of Kisei Adam on, on pro turf. And then we talked a little bit about the Levian because the Bills coach was Marv Levy. So you talked a little bit about the difference between Kahnim and Levian. And my favorite part of it was that the Bills quarterback was Jim Kelly. So I told them how in Kabbalah, one of the highest madregas you can achieve is to be a kli. It's just to be mevato yourself, to be a conduit for HaKadosh Baruch. So they loved it. Anyway, what happened? Kelly comes out and throws four picks in the second half. <laughs> but the greatest part is, in the first half, they were cursing him out. And I don't want to repeat the curse words they were using, because they got trounced. But in the second half, all of a sudden, the curses turns into Kabbalistic curses. Kelly, you're a vessel! Kelly, you're a utensil! <laughs> so at least I taught them how to curse in Kabbalah. So at least I cleaned up their language a little bit. So have a good time. Keep it real. Don't take yourself... I mean, don't, don't take it too seriously. Be honest. Okay, what? Okay.
Here are the pages. One second. Okay, again, just to show you that we want to keep this real. Don't, don't turn the pages yet. Just to show you that we want to keep this real. A couple years ago, before everyone had internet, honestly, we would record the game and screen it the next day during the break. Because we were really intent on providing the following message. Not that we dislike sports, but if you're going to stay up all night Sunday night, and don't delude yourself, you're not going to have a good day learning Monday. And even if you can pull an all-nighter and learn all Monday, it's going to catch up with you. So at some point, two, three hours, four hours, five hours Sunday night is going to be Bittletar. I can't say it any other way. You decide whether it's worth it to you. But don't, don't avoid that question. Don't delude yourself, oh, I'll just learn more. It's going to catch I haven't slept the last two nights. I'm working on fumes. It's going to catch up with you. Make your decision. I just want you to think about it through the lens of a Bittar. Okay. To help... Create one second. Help, help, what? I don't think Now the quote is: "You remember the Super Bowl? You didn't watch more than any of the Super Bowl." Okay, just so I can help you avoid becoming the people I don't want you to become in a visual fashion. Turn over the fiction. Okay, this is a picture from a rain delay in Shea Stadium about 15, 16 years ago. I just saved it on my computer. I wanted to hand it. I hand it out every year. This could be like your. North Star, to avoid sports obsessions. Let's carefully inspect the picture and the types of people you may become one day if you're not careful. Who is the center of attention in this picture? A high school dropout with the IQ of an inchworm, smoking a hoagie and down in some suds in the middle of a rain delay. That's who we're all admired. But let's just see the type of admiration. Okay. Let's first start with the guy at 1 o'clock in the middle. I think he's about a minute away from a heart attack. The guy in the med shirt. I think cardiac failure is right there. Okay. How about a 12 o'clock beer suds guy who I think has had one too many? The guy with the little growth on his face. Sudsy. Had a little bit too much beer to drink. Okay. Next to him is Gandhi. Okay. But, 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 but look at his face. Just look at the joy. Could you imagine, seriously, if in, I don't know, someone give me a shul. I don't know, congregation. If when they took out the Torah, there were a fraction of this joy and a fraction of this reaching that you see for this high school dropout in his pajamas. On the left, a 9 o'clock flip phone guy who's trying his hardest to get his 1992 era phone to take a picture because this is the picture he's going to plant on his wall. I'm not going to talk about the two kids in the white hats who probably snuck in because there's no way they're affording those seats. <laughs> the two kids in the white hats are just happy to be there. I know a few things about sneaking down, but I'll tell you some other time. If, if you look at the bottom here, this Abba who's just trying to protect his kid from the stampede on the bottom of the picture to the left. But seriously, if any of you want to waste some time, you have some time to waste today. You're like, like an hour to waste. Please, try. Anyone in this room, try it. Try convincing me that the two guys at 2 and 3 o'clock. Try it, because you're not going to succeed. Try to convince me these aren't why you guys. <laughs> you want to waste your time? Go ahead. I'm happy. Okay? You can try. I know these guys. These are why you guys. But come on, the glasses... The round faces. Okay, guys, this is a look into your future. If you don't make a change, you're going to be one of these guys. I'm assuming every one of you doesn't want to be any one of these guys. 
So here's your chance to avoid your future. Good luck, everyone. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you.